Hi, I'm Bethany Godso, the Associate Vice President for Career and Leadership Development at the NYU Wasserman Center, and this is All in a Day's Work, the podcast we've created for you. The NYU network is expansive, and each member of our community has an array of unique experiences. All in a Day's Work will bring you episodes featuring members of the NYU community doing interesting work and navigating the professional world. We're excited to share their stories with you. We hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to All in a Day's Work. I'm Diana Mendez, your host for this episode. And today we're talking to NYU alumna Gabby Royal. Welcome, Gabby. Thanks for being here with us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Let's start by you walking us through your career trajectory from your time at NYU to where you are now working at Abercrombie & Fitch and owning your own consulting business. So I've always been interested in diversity and like understanding deeply why we promote equality, but often gloss over equity and how my identities as a person of color, as a lesbian woman, as a person from the South who grew up in a conservative suburban town in Texas and now in New York City as a transplant intersect with all these identities, how they've evolved, how they've changed and how some have become more salient and some have become less salient than others over time. And so I've been a practitioner in this arena for the last decade. I was really curious at an early age with how intersectionality influences the ways in which we perceive the world and the way that the world perceives us and how certain injustices often crop up based on where we sit on that social identity wheel. So I never thought that I could be a diversity leader. I didn't know that that was even a career path a person could take. I just knew that I wanted to be a teacher and I had some very strong mentors who shaped my world very early in life and I wanted to be like them. I loved how unapologetic they were and how they were given the runway to take a stance for social justice and change. And I was really curious in college about critical race theory and gender studies. James Baldwin, Toni Morrison, Audre Lorde, a lot of these Black writers who were champions and change agents for our community. I then moved to New York City after college and attended, obviously, NYU to pursue my graduate degree, but it was in English and American literature, and so it had really nothing to do at that moment with being a diversity practitioner or leader. But I was really led here with this desire to get in the classroom and to talk about race and really using my liberal arts background as a channel to do that. So after pursuing my degree, I worked as a graduate student at the Center for Multicultural Education and Programs at NYU, known as CMEP. And then from there, I spent some time working in DNI and then moved to DC and I spent some time at NYU DC and then pivoted back to NYU Law School where I worked at the Bernstein Institute for Human Rights as well as the Public Interest Law Center. So I took my career then uptown. I spent a couple of years at Columbia University where I was helping diverse students get jobs for Fortune 500 companies and really supported the coaching and the development of early career talent. and prepared them for the workforce, and then kind of circling back, recognized that companies were more eager than ever to capture top diverse talent. And so I pivoted a couple of years later where I had started my HR career at Citigroup, where I was the vice president and the head of campus diversity recruitment for North America. And so that's really kind of the first time that I was actually entering an an HR career and just realized really the importance of working in a company that aligned with values that I held. And so that was the same message that I was giving my students 
And so decided at a point that I wanted to, I wanted to leave financial services. I wanted to leave Wall Street and carve out my own path as an entrepreneur. And I think that there's something really liberating about being a minority business owner. So I just went in and launched Inclusion First Consulting. I carried a portfolio of companies in LA and New York who want to recruit, retain, and develop diverse talent for their organizations. And so in these companies, really recognizing that diversity, inclusion, belonging aren't the same thing. And so my job as consultant was to help them build a culture where racially diverse folks would want to stay. So I built out curriculums, trainings, workshops that supported their efforts to gain cultural competencies, and then from there, you know, really ANF opened up as a role in the early spring, you know, where I, where I took on leading their strategy globally for all four lifestyle brands, Abercrombie & Fitch, Abercrombie Kids, Gilly Hicks, and Hollister. And so I had the privilege of taking on that job where I serve as the global director of diversity and inclusion. That's quite a journey. Thanks for taking us through it. I want to delve a little deeper into the diversity and inclusion work that you do. How have the recent protests and the Black Lives Matters movement influenced your own work? Yeah, Diana, I mean, it's a really, really great question. So everything happening in the social justice and racial justice space impacts all of our work. I think that I truly have the best job in the world just working in DNI and equity because this role is one that influences its most valuable assets in a company, which to me are its people and its culture. Some of the, the most challenging days that we've been plagued with as a community will recognize that there's actually a lot of heat around racial injustices, particularly as it bubbles up to the ways in which you know the global customer would look at corporations and holding corporations accountable for their efforts during this time in light of all the injustices in the world. So DNI professionals are busier than ever. So I think my role is kind of like an octopus where I have tentacles that reach across the globe and cut across each function with different needs for each one. And everything from liaising with our recruiting team to bolster our talent pipeline, retention strategies, learning and development and designing workshops and trainings, which have always been really exciting to me coming from a background at NYU where I wanted to be a teacher and to get in the classroom, as well as marketing and, and working with our, our, you know, our product and design teams on really cool capsule collections for different affinity groups and teaming up on the external messaging we're sharing with our global customer. You know, of course, everything that we're seeing in the news, Ahmaud Aubrey, George Floyd, Julian Lewis, Richard Brooks, Elijah McClain, Alton Sterling, Sandra Bland, Jacob Blake, Brianna Taylor, and counting, all of these things impact the work that we're doing as practitioners daily. And at least in this industry, I have the audacity to believe that we can use fashion as a tool to change the world. I really, really believe that and that we in our time can ignite the change that we want to see in our industry as we're leaders, not just followers. So I think it's important to say their names. I think it's important that we are vocal advocates and we're standing in solidarity with communities that we're not part of. And it's really, really a great opportunity to play a role and to be part of this journey towards progress at Abercrombie and Fitch and beyond. Thank you for that. Thank you for saying their names. Based on your experience as a campus recruiter and also a queer woman of color, what are some red flags related to diversity and inclusion that students and alumni from marginalized identities should be on the lookout for when they're conducting a job search? When I started my job search as an early career professional, I was at a point in time where my gender expression and my presentation were more fluid 
back then and still I shop in the men quote men's section of the store for example and I was told by a lot of people mentors included that I should tone it down or or maybe hide pieces of myself in order to get the job and just to get my toe into corporate America and to be honest with you ignoring that advice was the best decision I had ever made so that said I really have had the privilege of working in a rich and diverse ecosystem in New York City where the majority of my professional career I've had a lot of privileges that have come with that where I have the ability to color outside of the lines and not not always, you know, fear for my safety in ways that I I couldn't do when I was growing up in Dallas, Texas. And so now I think that it's just really really critical that folks are more cognizant than ever when they're entering the the job search especially with everything that's happening in the world and as it impacts our identities. So when students or alum alums may approach their job search. I always say that it's important for people to work for companies that align with values that they have. And is this a place that you'll feel safe? Is this a place where you'll feel that you'll be celebrated and your culture will be appreciated? Some of the things that I think that they should be asking their potential employer as well as themselves is, you know, sort of what boundaries do they have? What are their values? And do they align with the leadership standards of organizations that they're considering? We'll be right back to our episode after this quick tip from Danielle Crystal. While every interview is different and every industry has different interview questions, there are some questions that every interviewer is going to ask. For example, tell me about yourself. That's a question you'll get asked no matter who you speak to whenever you meet someone. When you're answering this question, you want to make sure that you keep it concise and keep it relevant. You want to make sure that you're sharing appropriate information about your academic and career experiences and your credentials. Another common interview question is why? Why this job, this organization, this career path, this major? Think about every level of why for this particular career path and job. Some other interview questions are what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? For your strengths, make sure to have three on hand and have examples to back them up. When you're talking about your weaknesses, you want to make sure that it's something that's not imperative to the job and let employers know that it's something you're already actively working on improving. And now, back to the episode. What advice do you have for students and alumni who have strong sense of their own values, but who are struggling to see those values supported in their workplace? A lot of corporations are engaging in this thing that we call performative allyship. And it's important to be able to identify those red flags early to make sure you're not stepping into a culture that isn't going to be safe for you based on your identities. So I think some questions, particularly racially diverse students should consider or alumni would be, what resources does this organization have to support me as I develop in my career? And that that can be really across the spectrum of diverse identities that you hold, right? Employee resource groups, affinity groups, networks, et cetera. Do you have any of those things in place where I can connect with communities that also hold similar identities that I have? Do I have a platform to raise my voice? Will they ask me to, you know, hide pieces of myself or check 
parts of my identities at the door before walking in? Are there opportunities for professional development to happen? What does my career trajectory look like? What does diversity look like at various levels of seniority in different functions? And if they're not there yet from a representation perspective, well, what steps are they actioning currently to make a positive shift? And I guess last but not least, I think it's always important, you know, for folks to have an opportunity to just hear it right from the employees. What are employees saying about the culture? Grab a coffee with them, reach out to them on LinkedIn and have those touch points. We can see that you are very confident in your authentic self and you have developed a really strong voice. So what are some resources and more specific support systems that you have utilized either at NYU or outside that have helped you develop this voice and this confidence in yourself? Looking across the landscape of the organization and finding pockets of different communities that you can align yourself to. For me, that was in the form of some affinity groups, LGBTQ organizations and communities of color, obviously. And so really leaning in on those things, as well as sponsors. I think sponsors are going to be important. Those are really the people in the room that are advocating for you who might not take on the role as a formal mentor, but they might be sitting around the table. They might be part of meetings or conversations that you're not part of. And they've seen your work, they've seen your potential, and they might be rallying for for you to be successful. And so mentor sponsors and then finding a community within an organization that you're working for or one that you would work for, I think is critically important as a resource. So in terms of you know, the confidence that I've built up and feeling empowered to have a voice was largely by going through the fire and recognizing that, you know, I could either look around the table and not see myself reflected or I, I could kind of hide or make myself smaller or I could say there's not a seat at the table for me, so I'm going to bring a folding chair. I'm going to make space. I'm going to feel empowered to raise my voice. And the more you get used to exercising that and doing that, I think the more comfortable you'll become in yourself and you'll feel more confident stepping into these settings where often you're going to be one of very few others that might hold identities that you hold. So some of the resources and support systems that I've had, I mean, NYU was great. I had some really, really strong mentors and support systems who I'm still connected with. Throughout my journey throughout college, I had some some professors who, who come to mind that critically shaped my my worldview and experiences and who were very, very vocal about not checking identities at the door, just bring my full self into these spaces because my voice deserves to be heard. I want to shift the conversation a little bit about your own experience as a professional. So starting with NYU, can you tell us a little bit more about what you did there that planted the seeds for wanting to work in diversity and inclusion? When I, when I moved to New York, the only plan I had coming out of college was really just trying to find my community and expand my understanding of identities that were evolving for me. So when I came from the South, I was just grappling with my LGBTQ identity and it looked very different also in Texas. And so when I moved to New York, I wanted to find that sense of belonging in that community. And I found myself actually working at my first job, as I said before, at the Center for Multicultural Education and Programs at CMEP. And I got to see these great practitioners who were just so unapologetic in their work, but 
who were able to facilitate these great conversations around building cultural competencies to be better for our students, to be better for our administrators and staff and professors. As I was going through my program, which was the English and American Literature program, I was also able to delve deeper into critical race theory and women's and gender studies and the intersections of all those things and really use that as a channel to explore racial justice and social justice and change. And so at that point, I think it was just a culmination of all of those things that really planted the seed to the point where I now have an opportunity to really hopefully drive some really measurable results in the fashion industry representing Abercrombie and Fitch. So those things are all really exciting. It's kind of a full, full circle moment. So you are a business owner. As a woman of color, what did you envision when you made the decision to go into business for yourself? And how have your expectations compared to reality? I think as a person of color running my own business, I was navigating a lot of heavy conversations during George Floyd and, as I said, Breonna Taylor. And a lot of, a, a lot of work was coming my way as a practitioner during a time that was really, really heavy for our, our, our nation. And obviously also navigating the future of work changing, where we're all in a virtual environment, where a lot of these conversations would require a level of vulnerability, right? And you're now having to do all of these discussions and facilitate this heavy content through a screen. And so it challenged me to leverage new technology, to create more scalable programs and initiatives to connect with employers from all over the globe. And it's just been the most rewarding and exciting opportunity. Great. And just to wrap up things and bring it all together, you you discussed so many themes, you know, bringing your authentic self and owning your own business and transitions. What is one takeaway you want our listeners to really consider as they listen to this episode? Well, you know, one thing I, I'd say that I want people to take away from this conversation is, at least in the world of diversity and inclusion and equity, this is a, a movement and not just a moment. Take care of each other. Health and wellness is something that's really important, and a, a particularly for racially diverse folks who are just going through these processes during a global pandemic, during a time where we're having to connect virtually, and then during a time where there's so much tension in the world, take care of yourself and take care of each other and be patient. And for the allies, stay committed, stay curious, stand in solidarity with these communities that you may not be part of. Again, for any of the job seekers, look out for any of those red flags and just have candid and honest conversations with future employers and just know what type of culture you plan on stepping into. Gabby, it's always a pleasure talking to you. We thank you for your time, expertise. We wish you continued success with all of your endeavors. And, you know, I'm sure we'll be hearing from you and all the great work you'll continue to do. If you want to learn more about the services that are offered at the Wasserman Center, you can log onto our career portal, Handshake, through your NYU homepage. Today's episode was hosted by Diana Mendez with episode guest, Gabby Royal. We're produced by Miriam Miller and Lily Smith, edited by Lily Smith, and created with support from Nia Beresford, Danielle Crystal, Dana Rosa, Haley Garafello, Joseph Mercadante, Carrie Pannoni, and Sarah Rosenthal. That's all in a day's work. Thanks for listening. <laughs>